What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner. Hope you had a great weekend and are off and ready for the start of another brand new week. All sorts of things happening in our world, so it's always a pleasure when we're able to come together as The Faction. Absolutely. So I hope you guys are safe. Hope you had a great weekend. So I first want to say thank you, of course, to all who are already subscribed to our podcast. If you're not, all you have to do is click the subscribe button where you're listening to us right now. Also, be sure to rate, subscribe, download and share this podcast with a friend. We absolutely appreciate it. And you can always find us on social media at The Faction Show. Always have some great news that we're dropping there and all sorts of fantastic content. And on our Facebook page, you can also find our video content as well. So be on the lookout for that. Got to give a big shout out to our top three cities for the week. Check this out. At number one, it's the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., followed by Meridianville, Alabama. Not familiar with that spot, but thank you for listening. And Dublin, Ireland continues to be in our top city. So shout out to our good folks in Dublin and Becky Lynch country. And of course, our top three countries are the U.S., Ireland, and the Russian Federation. Shout out Nikita Koloff, Nikolai Volkov, and Ivan Koloff. So with that said, hey, SmackDown was this past Friday. It was the day before the 4th of July. And did that mean anything? Oh, well, absolutely it did. As SmackDown drew the lowest rating in its history on Fox, 1.77 million viewers. That's down 18.3% from last week. Now, you remember in the month of June, they had been on a steady uptick. Now, I will say this. We do have to factor in the fact that the 4th of July was Saturday. It was 4th of July weekend. And perhaps you may not have even watched uh, SmackDown this past weekend because you were working on things with your family or just relaxing. I don't know. But either way, uh, low ratings on Fox is not good, particularly after you consider the backstage show on FS1 being canceled, uh, Fox scrapping their idea of an entire WWE division. I don't know. Let's just hope that Fox is a bit lenient and look at the weekend as what it was, a holiday weekend. Certainly this Friday will be able to tell us whether or not this trend continues. In other news, as you're aware, of course, Tessa Blanchard is a free agent. We talked to you about the story where she has been released from Impact Wrestling. They terminated her contract. She was the world champion. The world title vacated. She's gone. Well, there are all sorts of rumors out there as to where she could end up, and there's talk that she could end up in WWE. Now, it wouldn't be her first foray in WWE. She was part of NXT for a short stint and participated in the Mae Young Classic, and certainly with the field wide open for a leader in the women's division, with Becky Lynch being gone and Charlotte Flair being gone, could Tessa be the one? Now, From a dream match perspective, everybody would love to see the matches between, say, a Tessa Blanchard and a Charlotte Flair, or a Tessa Blanchard against Io Shirai, or a Tessa Blanchard against Asuka, or even Bailey, or Sasha Banks. Yeah, the list goes on and on for potential great matches, but... 
as you also know, or if you don't know, now you know, there's a bunch of baggage that comes with Tessa Blanchard. Let's start with the fact that she was fired from Impact Wrestling because she did not show up to a number of tapings. She was not cooperative with providing content even while she was quarantined. And you're the world champion. So, you know, think about the fact that Impact Wrestling looked to make history by crowning her as the first woman to be a world champion in the men's division in Impact Wrestling. But remember the weekend of that pay-per-view where a number of things came out about how she's treated women over time, from being abusive to being racially insensitive. And so none of those things have really like gone away, gone away. They haven't been resolved. She gave a really poor apology, if you want to call it that. So does WWE or AEW want to touch that with a 10-foot pole? I don't think it's wise at all. Yeah, you could use star power, but let's also look at the fact that you've got untapped star power in WWE that could step up and grab the brass ring in the women's division. Of course, Asuka and Bailey have been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, you have Sasha Banks, who I think is really on the rise. If you remember this time last year, we thought she quit the business or at least quit WWE. Now she is a co-holder of the Tag Team Championship, had an amazing match this past Wednesday night against Io Shirai, is set up for a title match at the next pay-per-view against Asuka, where you could have a scenario with both Bailey and Sasha completely ruling the women's division as Raw and SmackDown Women's Champions and the Tag Team Champions. That may not actually be all that far-fetched. I don't know, but I think there's some other names to consider. What about Rhea Ripley, who was the hottest thing ending 2019 in all of women's wrestling? What about Bianca Belair, who we really haven't seen on television much since the night after WrestleMania? They've got options. What about Naomi? What about Natalia? What about Ruby Riot? I mean, you've got a deep women's division on all fronts that I think should be taken advantage of while Charlotte and Becky are out and to me, I think not giving the folks who are already there an opportunity, but bringing in a Tessa Blanchard, quite frankly, is a slap in the face of the women's division. So I hope WWE will be smart, lay low on Tessa Blanchard, and really look to build the women's division that they have from within. Here's a bit of news we haven't talked about, but I think could be interesting. So we do know, of course, The Undertaker has a uh, seemingly officially retired from all things pro wrestling the big last ride five-part documentary uh, has to go down as one of the greatest wrestling documentaries of all time i think wwe deserves all sorts of awards and things for the story that they told but last week there was an interestingly cryptic tweet that came out from of all people sting yeah sting puts out a tweet last week and says very simply that, hey, I want one more match, or would the masses like to see me embark on one last ride? Now, we know we've not seen Sting in a ring since 2015, the big injury he had with Seth Rollins that caused him to retire, but the reality is the one match the industry has never seen but always wanted was The Undertaker versus Sting. Could this be something that actually happens? Is it something that you would want to see? 
Well, you know, let's think about a couple of things. We thought we wanted to see The Undertaker versus Goldberg last year in Saudi Arabia. We certainly got hyped when it all went down. And then when they got in the ring, we realized this is not The Undertaker or Goldberg from the Monday Night War. In fact, that match almost cost The Undertaker his career and his life. And many argue that that was the match that really helped The Undertaker begin to decide it's time to wind this thing up. Let's also consider this. The Undertaker is 55 years old. And Sting? Well, Sting is 61 years old. So what kind of match would they have? I think it would have to be uh, a one-time only cinematic presentation, perhaps in the lines of the Boneyard match or something like that. In fact, when I saw the Boneyard match, I felt like, wow, this is our lone opportunity to get Sting versus Taker. But will it happen? I don't know. Sting is no longer under contract with WWE. Would they bring him back solely for one match? And let's let's really talk about the fact that his WWE run was certainly lackluster. Granted, it was at the end of his career. We never did get to see the potential that Sting had. I mean, go back and watch the Clash of the Champions from 1988 and see the match really that put Sting on the map against Ric Flair. But then you start looking at the run Sting had. Think about Sting and Flair 1990, Great American Bash, where Sting becomes the world champion. Sting was absolutely the flagship of WCW. And to think about what could have happened, Sting versus Taker during that era versus now, the fan in me still wants to see it. But I am very nervous about whether or not it will happen. This may be one of those things we need to put to bed. But I do want to get your thoughts. Sting versus Undertaker. Would you like to see it? Where should we see it? Is this environment even right to see it? Let's face it. Sting versus Taker should absolutely be in front of 80,000 people. Not in front of an empty arena. um, But maybe in a movie match. I don't know. But I want to get your thoughts. Sting versus Taker, should it happen? Is Sting just kind of whispering in the wind? Let me know your thoughts by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. We've got a big week of content coming your way and all sorts of great wrestling news. So make sure you're staying connected to us right here at The Faction on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast as well by clicking the subscribe button. And please, ma'am, please, sir, leave a rating and a comment for us as well. It lets everybody know what you think about us, and it gives others the opportunity to find us as well. All right, we're going to get out of here. Hope you have an amazing Monday and a great start to your week. And we'll be back later on. Until next time, it's your man, GB. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and John Murray, collectively, we're known as The Faction. Solid